1: All right, all right, all right. Howdy, 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 everyone, and welcome to a new live edition of One on One with Jasper Cole. This would be your host, Mr. Jasper Cole, and we are coming to you live tonight. I am in Palm Springs, California, on the lockdown, but um, it, it was only a, a nice, dry, toasty 100 degrees here. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to say welcome. We're so happy to be back live with everybody. Please go to social media, follow us at one-on-one with Jasper Cole it's on Facebook it's on Instagram and Twitter you can go to my website jaspercole.com and uh, there's a link to the show on there as well and I cannot go another minute without welcoming our wonderful co-host Mr. Ralph Cole Jr.
2: Hello Jasper, thank you hello, for that. Hello Ralph, tremendous... hello Ralph, how are you? I'm fine, thank you for that tremendous welcome. Hello Planet Eartha, and welcome to another action-packed show.
1: In the pandemic 2020, and first off, okay, so how were you during the earthquake? Since you were at the epicenter, I know. Listen,
2: see, I don't. <laughs> mother nature, <laughs> mother nature does boomerang for me, right? It's like. I can't do anything without boomeranging. It's like that shit, the epicenter was two blocks away. I was like, God damn. You know, it was like, do you park Windsor Hills earthquake, girl? 3.8. Was, I was like, wow. So, like if I were paranoid, I'd be like, oh my God. Because, you know, whenever it's far away, like say, in the desert, like where there's Palm Springs, no, yeah. Or not, not, even, well, yeah, palms, but where there's no residential, where there's really no life. It's just open like area land,
1: landers or something like that.
2: Yeah. So then it's like, well, okay. You know, we might've felt a rolling thing. I was sitting <clears throat> at my desk at 1203 and it was like, Oh shit, this is it. And it was like, cause they were two big jolts. There was one mm. jolt, and then it rolled for a second, and then there was another one. I was like, oh, fuck, please don't let this be it. The first thing I think of is, well, my mother was sound asleep, but I think about, oh, God, I hope this isn't going to be strong enough to shut the gas off because we right. have an automatic gas shutoff on our gas meter. you know. And, yes, after the earthquake is over, you go back out and reset it, but I just didn't want to have to do that. So what did I do? <laughs> I went <laughs> downstairs turned on the burner, made sure it was still on. It was like, okay, we're good to go check. Cause I look at Rose remotely, you know, with the cameras and right. she was sound asleep. So that was perfect. And there was no damage. So I want to believe that we escaped yet another one.
1: Well, I mean, it's so funny because I mean, you know, the longer, and, and you're a native and you you've talked about living through the Silmar quake when you were right. a kid in the seventies. And that was like, Oh, were you in that, that house, the same house? Yes, first the same house, 90, 1971.
2: 1971 wow. earthquake is what made me definitively decide that – because I had been saying long before that earthquake, I'm moving to New York, Mommy and Daddy, once I graduate from college. And they just thought it was a little Ralphie pipe dream. <laughs> the day we had that earthquake, I said, okay, that cemented it. The day I graduate from college, I am out of here, y'all. And uh, – <clears throat> so I could move to New York away from what I thought was earth. So what,
1: country. what, te- what year did you
2: actually move to uh, New York? 1979.
0: Perfect. Oh God.
2: So that was eight years later. So yeah, eight years later, I got to move. That's right. Cause I think I was however old I was in 1971, but yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and then I got, I did in fact, move to New York. Um, I've always been terrified of earthquakes. And, um, but as I've gotten older, I feel I I'm still terrified of it. But I kind of just roll with it. No mm-hmm. with it. I kind of think, too, the thing that terrifies me, it's what uh, Red Fox used to say on Sanford and the Sun, Oh, this is the big one. This is the big one. That's what makes but, me nervous. And he
1: was talking about a
2: heart attack. Exactly. So right. whenever we have an earthquake, I always think, oh, God, is this was at the start. Now we're going to have the big fucking one. Because when you think about it, this earthquake that we just had in winter Hills was 3.8. And yes, Mm -hmm. it was enough to wake people up and stuff. But the one in 71 was six point something like 6.7 or something. So imagine that was like almost fucking twice the size, you know, twice the intensity that shit scared the shit out of me. Oh, the house just shook and shook. And we had this ashtray, on our glass table, coffee table. And we still have that same coffee table and ashtray because we're
1: vintage and you could see (laughs) you're, you're vintage. And now it's back again.
2: Exactly. But what was off putting with that is that the earthquake had stopped and it was apparently still, but you would hear the constant rattle Mm. of the ashtray on the glass table. And that meant the ground was still moving. And that's, what makes me nauseous and scared because it's like, is that going to stop or is that going to escalate into like, you know, a bigger one?
1: Well, it's anyway. so weird because, because you, so you basically grew up here and you left to get away from the earthquakes. Now I, when Becky and I drove here in 1987 in two cars, caravan, three, three or four day trip, we arrived in Inglewood uh, because we had a girlfriend going to lo Loyola Maramount College. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've been in a car for four days. We're bright eyed and like excited to be starting our career in Los Angeles. We go to sleep on the floor in the living room and all of a sudden our first morning in, in LA was the Whittier earthquake in nineteen eighty seven. Which is, uh, now up to that point Silmar had been the biggest and then this one hit and I thought, God damn, this is the worst sign ever. I thought it was a sign from from God that we had made a mistake. And mm. I, Ralph, because I didn't know anything about earthquakes, I was so traumatized because we had to go out and then buy, uh, find a new apartment, right? Mm-hmm. And – I was so traumatized from the earthquakes that I insisted it had to be a brand new building. So mm-hmm. Becky never, Becky never lets me live this down. Here we are like with maybe $5,000 each. And we ended up moving in a brand new apartment building <laughs> in West, in West LA <laughs> in 1987, two bedroom, two bath. And we, it, now now it sounds like nothing, but we pay $1,200 and that mm-hmm. was like $600 each. And it was built on the rollers, you know, so it could roll when uh, a building shook. But I'm not kidding you. For the whole first year I lived in L.A., I was really traumatized. Like, anytime I was in a building and a truck went by, you know, I, I would freak out. But to your point, I'm kind of to the point now where they don't faze me. It's like we have them, you know, we've had them out here. We, we went on, remember, in 94, we had the... Um, Northridge uh, quake. So that and was 94. A
2: big one. I was in New York.
1: <clears throat> so, okay. So, so missed you missed that one. one. That was another big one. But that anyway, one.
0: Yeah.
1: We're, but it's just a little, you know, during this whole pandemic thing, it's like, really? Because, you know, it, you're right. It's always that first few seconds, and you think, okay, is this it? Is this going to go right. on forever?
2: You never know. I'm 62 years old, and since I've been born, all I've ever heard is about the big one. So that's what's always made me scared about it. But yet we've never had it, so we go on about our life. You know, it's kind of like <clears> – <throat> it's a horrible analogy, Jasper, but it's kind of like – and I know we're going to be discussing this uh, briefly um, – what these governors want to do about letting people go back to work early. It's, mm-hmm. it, the, anal- the analogy I'm making is – look at how we all live our lives in earthquake country. I don't know how many people have earthquake insurance. I don't know how many people have their emergency stashes of things, but we live each day like there's not going to be an earthquake.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: you know and we've been doing that every single day and we're all still here and fine now we have this virus and they want to let people back earlier like what they think it's over they think it's subsided this is the worst time to let people go back you know of course. and you know so um, it's i get it may, it may not be the right analogy i'm making the point i was trying to make is that both the coronavirus and an earthquake are
1: unknown and out of our hands. And yet we've and been warned. We've been warned about both of them for both of forever.
2: Them. And we ignore them. You know, for the most part. I mean, I do have earthquake insurance now, and uh, Michael and I got that. But um, other than, you know, it's just that's my analogy. It's just like
1: yeah. I mean, it's interesting because you're right. It's like we. I think it's a it's it's kind of an American cultural thing where we just like to. It's that Scarlett O'Hara, I'll just think about it tomorrow. I'll I'll mm-hmm. that tomorrow. Nobody wants to deal with it, which is what I think this pandemic has been. One of the positive things is it's made everybody kind of wake up to the fact because, you know, we've heard about this could happen forever. I mean, the Spanish, it's been 100 years since the last one. So, no, like you said, nobody thinks it can happen. When they talk about climate change and stuff now, we always think, oh, you know the ice caps are melting what does that mean well at some point probably after we're gone the the people are going to be sitting dealing with no air to breathe on this planet and they're going right. to be going oh my god they said this would happen but right. i can't right. i can't believe it's happening but to your point about okay so like everyone knows i'm from georgia if you don't know if you're a new listener i was born in athens georgia and i grew up with some wonderful friends, and one of my really good friends all through school was Brian Kemp, who's now the governor of Georgia, and um, we've remained in touch over the years, and we're obviously on, you know, opposite sides of the political spectrum, but I've always respected him, I know his wife, I know his kids, I know his family, Um, we've got family members that are friends, and anyway, long story short, I've been worried about my father who's going to be 88 in June, and you know, he's living alone in Georgia, only April 1st is when Brian Kemp said he didn't know that asymptomatic people could pass on the virus. That's when he put the uh, the state on lockdown. That's only been a little over two weeks ago, and now he decides he's going to open up uh, the state again. Massage parlors, bowling alleys, uh, nail salons, hair salons, and then on Monday, restaurants. And here's what is so shady about Trump. You know, I'm sure Brian did it because Trump was encouraging like Republican States to open up the moment Brian does it. He gets all this negative backlash. And the first thing Trump does yesterday on his press conference, you know, he said, I was totally against this. I called Brian Kemp and told him it was, it was a horrible idea. So now there's Brian like completely screwed, you know, for listening to Trump, but A lot of the people I'm seeing on social media and um, mayors that are calling into shows, you know, just because you can open, there's no mandate that says you have to open. So a lot of the businesses are not going to open in Georgia. So, I see. Hopefully. It's, yeah.
2: it's a horrible sticky wicket because I know people want to get back to work. But the thing is, so everybody gets to go back to work and then another batch of people get sick, then we're going to be doubly half quarantined again. You know, it's like it's a, it's what we're living through is just such a calamity of, you know, because like you said last week, it's all become political and it's yeah. not even about humanity.
1: You know, and it's and you. And, and can you believe that? I mean, it's like of all things, like a pandemic. They can make a pandemic political, really. I mean, like Mitch right. McConnell said yesterday, bailing out the the Democratic states is like a, it's like you know, I mean, helping the Democratic states are a bailout. You know, helping the Republican states are is a stimulus relief. It's like, oh my god. And so I guess what's strange to me about the whole thing is somehow. This country is so divided that even in a pandemic, we are still choosing sides. And, you know, Trump, what Trump does, the reason he put it on the governors is that way. And Brian Kemp's a perfect example. If, if a governor makes a decision and people like it and it goes well, Trump will take credit for it. If, it, like, Brian does something and there's a backlash, Trump will go, well, I didn't, I don't think it's it, a good idea. Oh, my
2: God. Right, right. <laughs>
1: So I mean, it's it is... like, it's scary. And how about, okay, let's talk about this crazy Carolyn Goodman in Las oh. Vegas yesterday. Viva Las Vegas! Las Vegas. Yes. Oh. Now, here's the funny thing. You know, she's, okay, so she's already a two term mayor, but her husband before her, Oscar, I think is his name, he was a, a a mayor as well. So between the two of them, they have been the mayor of, you know, Vegas for many, many years. And, both were Democrats and now both are independents and uh, you know I have, we have a client Stephen Sarantino who was Las Vegas and Entertainer of the Year for 20 years so he knows them quite well and I'm not going to say Stephen said this but word on the street is she's a big drinker and big party girl herself and it's just batshit crazy but she went on you know, Anderson Cooper last night and just basically, and everyone please Google that uh, Carolyn Goodman on Anderson Cooper. And she was just like, <laughs> and she was just like, it's not my problem. I don't own the casinos. Cause, Cause he was like, are you okay with casinos and people being right next to each other? And she's like, well, I don't own the casinos. If it, you know, I, could you believe it Ralph? It's amazing. I,
2: I mean, God, Jasper, Ever since we've had our president, politics has been a complete joke. And I know you are very, very savvy and have a lot of very politically savvy friends. I use you as my cliff note version to find out, okay, what the fuck is happening and what do I need to know? <laughs> and you give it to me in a nutshell, and it's just like, you see, this is like, I mean, our president, is it's, no, it's so high school. It, it, it's laughable. It's like Jack yeah. Promise you won't tell Rhonda what I'm about to tell you, okay? And right. then you're like, oh yeah, sure, no, I won't say a thing. What? Okay, blah blah blah. Then you go right to Rhonda. Rhonda, girl, listen to what Ralph said. You know, and that, and that, that you know, poor Kemp. You know, it's like, you know, the day before, it's like oh, you have my total support. You know, it's kind of like the bus accident. <clears throat>
1: With the radio show, you know, right? That, after, it's like, you very know, unfortunate. I, it's all yeah, unfortunate.
2: You'd be having a conversation like, "Oh yeah, Ralph, on next week's show we're gonna do blah 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 blah." Then, right the day before that show, it's
1: just like, "Girl, you're gone." You
2: know, so it's like, "Oh, okay." Oh, well, I it's like any- when you're
1: it's like when you're a series regular on a show and they don't even. Oh my god. You, have to, you you find out in the trades that you've been canceled, and then when you try to go to the the studio lot to clean out your dressing room, you don't you're not even. They got a call was, from the gate to let you in, Mara Tyranny. Okay. Um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Oh
1: yes, it, I did. I went there. It, I said oh it. My, no,
2: exactly. It's all about entertainment on the show. I know it's, <clears throat> you are saying, honey, these people don't play. It's just like, hey, you were fierce, but name's not on the list, girl. Sorry, but I want to end our little segment here. We're not ended. I just want to share this little light. Somebody posted on social media first there were the fires, now it's the virus, then we had an earthquake. What's next? And my answer to that is the
1: cure. Right. Oh, that's great. Or at least a a treatment. You know, a a treatment treatment, would be
2: good. Yeah, at least something. I mean, God, what a fucked up virus this is. When you had gonorrhea or chlamydia or syphilis (laughs) or HIV, you could kind of nobody had to know, right? Right,
1: and it was harder. It was harder to get. I mean, I mean, you knew what you had to do with specific things to get it. You know, right?
2: It'd be different. Like if you could get HIV by going into the discotheque or Trader Joe's, then yes, we all would be have it and terrified. But I mean, this is
1: called airborne. Okay.
2: So it is like, um,
1: w- yeah, yeah.
2: Airborne.
1: I mean, and, and what's I wanted to um, talk about, you know, and so for Ralph and I in the entertainment business, and so so many of our listeners, you know, the reality kind of hit us this week. Um, we I w- I was up for a show that was going to shoot in Georgia, and I got really panicky because some dates have been presented to me as is as it was going to be in May. And so I kind of had to freak out a little bit and act, try to decide what would I do. And long story short, I reached out to Screen Green Actors Guild, our great union. And um, I just wanted to share with everyone, after talking to a couple of people, um, I was able to speak to Gabrielle Carteris, who's our president of SAG. And, you know, in a nutshell, the conversation kind of went like this, you know, SAG, Writers Guild, Directors Guild, Producers Guild. Then you've got all the crew unions, and I forgot how many, you know, there's the, the grips have a union, the decorators have a union, there's all these separate unions. All of us have to get on the same page as to what the safety guidelines are going to be, in addition to what states already require and the CDC. So Gabrielle was saying that, you know, this is going to require a lot of meetings. There's going to be votes taken. She said that September first was is the date that they are kind of putting in their initial contact meetings with all with each other, but realistically, folks, she's like, you know, I, I, let's just say January twenty twenty one. I mean she said there were going to be some probably renegade, really low budget indie films that would try to like go to South Dakota or somewhere and shoot something. And then SAG would have to shut them down, you know? Um But, and the, the scary thing Ralph about this is now non-union will be free to do whatever they want. So you're going to, it's going to be the wild, wild, West, you know, non-union film, they can go shoot anywhere they want to, as long as that state has been reopened for business um, actors are going to be required to like um, sign a waiver where they're going to sign away their rights if they get sick or die, God forbid. So I do think the union is going to really clamp down on uh, SAG actors who go and do non-union during this time, because I think, that th- this is just a whole different situation they're like okay enough already but anyway so the point of point being that you know as actors we're having to find these creative ways to to stay connected you know i've been doing this uh scripted podcast uh series and there's there's zoom series now and voiceovers and all that kind of stuff so this is going to be the new normal. And as Ralph and I were saying, we, we were both blessed to get one or two projects in the can, you know, back in January and February before before the pandemic hit. Because, well, yeah. honestly, it could be, that could be it for 2020.
2: And as a sad way, because I keep things on a more up note, that's why I want to bring up Chad Darnell's name. Because Chad Darnell is a director extraordinaire and, in a nutshell, just gets things the fuck done and yeah. that's why and you have always said that Jasper because this post that I put on Facebook is just a telling sign of uh, the actress I'm getting to work with got to work with Haviland Stillwell is absolutely fabulous and I posted a still of the two of us and just the response that I've gotten from that photo lets me know that we, yes, we obviously, we're all in this together, but there are happier times ahead. And who knew? We shot that less than two months ago.
1: I know, and now, absolutely. And, now,
2: and already Chad has a trailer out, you know, and, yeah. and interest, you know, production, in, in, in industry interest when these things are, uh, is all over. So I just wanted to give that little shout out to Chad Darnell. And oh, Jeff absolutely. Ha- and Everyone goes...
1: Everyone go to uh, Ralph Cole Jr.'s Facebook page, um, and you can see the amazing trailer. And I think I have it on my page as well. And also, everyone can follow Ralph on uh, Twitter and Instagram, at Ralph Cole Jr. I always forget to say that. But Ralph, I want to talk about our very special guest today, because, you know, last week we had Christos Andrews from the Bay. And today, we're going to be so, we're very fortunate, because we're going to be talking to in just a moment uh emmy nominated amazing actress jade harlow who plays oh. uh, leanna ramos on the bay and um i can't wait to hear all about how she's doing during this uh quarantine and you know she actually is a native of las vegas so we were talking about the mayor a little bit earlier but oh my God.
2: Guess, how yeah. timely,
1: thank you for that thank you for being timely like that so everyone please welcome the amazing Jade Harlow. Hello, my dear.
0: There you go. We had to give
1: you we had to give you real applause. How are you?
3: I'm good. How are you?
1: Well, welcome. Thank you so much for uh taking time. Say hello to Ralph, my co host. Hi, Thank Jade.
3: Thanks for having me. Hey Ralph. Uh, that-
1: Hey, Jade, welcome. It is such a joy to meet
2: you. You're so beautiful with that brunette hair uh, and, Thank you. and those
1: gorgeous yes. eyes.
2: Yes, it's just like such Thanks, a pleasure. Y'all. And oh, sure, y'all. And you know, a multi award winner and a go getter. And um, I'm so glad that we're being able to celebrate the Bay in such a yes. great way. We had Christos last week, and now we have you. We're going to have Gregory. So it's all going to be fierce. So Welcome to our zany show. Say whatever <laughs> you want yeah, and right. share with whatever you want, and what you want planet Earth to know about
3: you. About me? Well, it's funny because um, you know I, I I came in. I didn't start at the beginning of of listening to to your podcast. I, I admit I showed up fashionably oh, late.
1: Okay, um, you were supposed to. You I, actually yeah. you were right on time. But go ahead. <laughs>
3: But I did overhear what you were saying about the Vegas mayor.
1: Okay. Yeah. And you're so, a native. You're a native. We I, I referenced that in the I, beginning. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
3: Yeah. So I'm, I'm Vegas born and bred. I moved to L. A. in 1999. Um, ooh, ooh. That's a long yeah. time ago. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were three
1: years old. We know that. You're three yes. years old. Okay.
3: But I you just were- had to sort of calm people a little bit who don't know how vegas operates see you can't compare the vegas mayor to someone like a bill de blasio because the, <laughs> the position the position has always been for the mayor of las vegas a vanity position they have no mm-hmm. stake in policy they're glorified ribbon cutters she's like the mm-hmm. prom queen right. of vegas right or or crusty the clown of vegas she, she's, not, uh, she's not anybody in charge of anything. Right. So it was unfortunate that they chose to do an interview with the, with the one person who really has no idea <laughs> what they're talking about and isn't <laughs> in a position to do anything anyway. Anyway. Right. No, um,
2: Jade, that is so refreshing, what you just yeah. said, because you're the best testimonial ever. We don't need to Google shit. Just by, right, <laughs> by what you just said Makes perfect sense A ribbon cutter girl Okay, that's and, actually, yeah. and
3: that's all that position Has ever been historically She's ceremonial It's a ceremonial position It's never been a legitimate Mayoral position like other mayors In other cities mm-hmm. because Clark County You know the city of Or the, the, the county that Vegas is in um, Is Is ran by like, the mayor of Las Vegas is, like I said, it's the prom queen. It's a ceremonial position. The policies of Clark County are run by other people. I think right now we've got a really good governor in place in Nevada who's doing the right mm-hmm. things.
0: Yes, and yes. And he's,
3: you know, he's fallen right in line with the other uh, states who are taking this pandemic as seriously as possible. And he wants to save lives. And you look at a town like Vegas, you know, it's. I mean, it's based upon its... Um, Tourism, right? So the last mm-hmm. thing sure. that Vegas wants to do is open it up prematurely. Have a bunch of people, have a huge outbreak, put our locals at risk, and then make people fearful of coming back into our city to celebrate. Exactly. Their so so the people who are in charge are doing it the right way. It's unfortunate that like our prom queen, Krusty the Clown, ceremonial mayor <laughs> ended up on <laughs> CNN. <laughs> that's the that's the new hashtag.
1: Hashtag Krusty the Clown. Krusty the
2: Clown. Yeah. But, I love it, James. it makes me feel better what you're saying. You know, it's yeah. just well, I'm
3: surprised. I'm surprised that like CNN and Anderson Cooper didn't know that the mayor position in Las Vegas was strictly a ceremonial position. I'm surprised well, see, that they put her but see, on that, <laughs> television.
1: But see that makes me wonder, and of course I'm you know being you know from sh- in the showbiz. Well, it makes me wonder if the producers maybe did know that and we're kind of hoping, you know, she would do exactly what she did. So there's always that thought, like a gotcha moment, right? Yeah.
3: yeah, And I'm sure the journalist who didn't get the, the, who isn't in charge of the lineup of guests, but rather is just in charge of leading the interview. Right. It ended up being everything that the producers hoped it would be with. the
1: That's what I'm I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, And here we are talking about it today. But when I when I when it happened, I thought, oh, this is perfect because I knew you were born and raised in um, in Vegas. But um, I wanted to get to the Bay, of course, because this is the fifth season, tenth anniversary. And uh, can you talk because uh, we have your fans listening and viewers of the show? Are we? Is Leanna in for some interesting adventures this season?
3: Oh, absolutely. is always into some interesting stuff. I mean, you know.
1: She's a hot mess sometimes.
3: She is. She is a (laughs) a hot mess. Um, (laughs) But
1: in a good way, of course. Yeah.
3: I feel like she's super relatable. I feel like she's that person who does their best and just can't get a break no matter what. But they keep marching forward and breathing in and out. And, like, the world hasn't snuffed them out yet. Their light is still there and, and they are resilient and find a way through it. And yeah, moving into these seasons going forward, we get to see Leanna go from um, you know, she's been this beautiful broken doll
1: mm, that's great. That's and, a great description of her.
3: Thank you. And she's coming into her full womanhood and she has been through so much, you know, like all of us we only get tougher the more life runs us over. We get some scar tissue each time we get knocked down and we get back up. We get up stronger. Mm-hmm. And nobody's been knocked down more than Leanna.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I mean, listen, You, I, I, we can go back to, um, first of all, we have a mut- Rodney Van Johnson, who was ah! T.C. T. Russell, one of my closest friends. We started together. We were in plays together. We We had a production company together. We now, uh, I have a, I'm also a manager, so I'm also managing Rodney. So, by the way, he sends his love to you.
3: Um, I love him so much.
1: I do send him so, my
3: love.
1: I will. And so, you know, you were very young, obviously, when you came into the business and you started on Passions. So, it's very interesting, you know, to talk about where, like, the character of Leanna, to see just how the business has been you know you're a veteran now and you're still young of course but you're certainly okay. a veteran actress and w- what was it like for you going on to a new show like passions you did you actually replace somebody
3: I did initially, I was the or? very first replace, I was the first replacement on the show
1: okay and was this your so, first tv job
3: no, my first TV job, I did. Um, I can't remember what season it was. I think it was season four, see, like season finale, of uh, Third Rock from the Sun.
1: Mm. Oh great! Oh wow! What a great first job.
3: Yeah, that was my my first job, and uh, and, it, and passions happened like two weeks later. Wasn't that, they?
1: Were they both at CBS Radford?
3: Yeah, they were.
1: Oh, um, I just no. As soon as you said that, I was thinking, wait a minute, they're both on the same lot. Or they were, yeah, yeah. You know.
3: yeah I know. You know,
1: um, so, yeah, so how was that going on to a show like Passions that was already you know established? it was
3: odd it was it was odd because you know you it's one thing, so I was the first replacement on the show, and and here mm-hmm. the cast had been assembled far and wide, um <laughs> and they had worked six months together on a very zany show. And um, the, the youngest, the person I replaced was by far the youngest person on the show. I, I believe she was 15. Wow. Um, and I I was 17 when I, I took the job. Um, and it was, you know, it's weird. Everybody else knows everybody else. And you sort mm-hmm. of feel like there's cliques established when you get onto set. And um, you sort of don't really know where you fit in or your placement, but you're there to do a job. And so you... You do the job, and as more replacements started coming, and there were some people who were very, very welcoming and made me feel comfortable right away, and I'll always be grateful for for those people. Um, But I remember the first replacement after me and every replacement thereafter that I was there, I always made it a point to, um, like, when my sister was replaced, when when Mm -hmm. Taylor Ann was replaced with Deanna Wright, And it was Deanna's first day on set. And I I put a little gift on her door.
0: saying, I know what
3: it's like to be the new guy. And if you have new guys at a new school struggle, like Uh feel free to come to my room. And and I I get it, man. So we started doing that with all the people who came on just so right away. It's like you have somebody to eat lunch with, you know.
1: Right, right. That's so great. You're right. Being on a show like a, a, a soap opera, it, it's a very good analogy of like being in the same, going to school, you know, with a group of the same people, and um, yeah. in a show that runs like ten or twelve years, you're literally like going from you know, kindergarten through senior high school together. Um, but I would, I'm, I'm assuming that was an amazing training ground, just an amazing opportunity. Oh, yeah. Experience, well, right? Yeah. Just,
3: yeah, the the cast had been established, but they'd only been working for six months. So I right. feel like one of the original cast members, and, and I was there for years. And, yeah, I mean, that was back in the day when whew, we would work um, 14, 16-hour days, sometimes six days a week. We're doing, you know, not because we're doing multiple takes. You get two takes unless you're bleeding from your eyeballs.
1: Yeah, unless <laughs> the know? camera – yeah, I always heard unless the camera hits in the head, so –
3: Right, right. Um, But we were doing a lot of stunt work and green screen and slime and fire and... And supernatural um, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, The the portion of the cast I was a part of dealt strictly with the supernatural storyline. Wow. Um, So that was an amazing training ground because... You know, you 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 learn how to do light stunt work, and you learn mm-hmm. <laughs> you know all. You that. were
1: like shooting a mean. mini, like a shooting a mini movie, basically. I mean,
3: yeah, it's the training ground that everyone gets with soaps. You move fast. You have a lot of dialogue. Um, you have a lot of exposition, with the addition of these extraordinary circumstances in the story that result in crazy circumstances to get the shot. So you right, fire right and yeah, all that stuff.
1: Well, I remember coming to visit the set, um, to see Rodney. And, um, yeah, I mean, I remember Rodney and I talking about it. He was like, cause Rodney had done a couple of nighttime shows before that. And I think he had been on mm-hmm. young and restless and, but anyway, he was saying to me, you know, this man, this is really, cause it was groundbreaking at the time, you know, um, no other soap had really tried anything like that. And so I, listen, I loved you on the show. I watched you. I was a fan of the show. Yeah. I thought you guys really pulled it off. And, um, but you know, it's interesting now, like you said, looking back, you, you know, the business can be tough. And like you were talking about Leanna, you've, you've, you've hung in there and you've continued to work. And I, I have this theory that, you know, careers are marathons they are not sprints right and so you want
0: to
1: you want to be in it for the long haul um what advice yeah what advice is that sort of what you would tell a young actress now and everything's changed a lot I know with digital and online and stuff like that but I think ultimately it's like
3: yeah and some things haven't you know I mean I mean look you're a hundred percent right you couldn't be more right when you say a career is a marathon it's not a sprint Sometimes it happens for people early on, and they get this taste of work and some semblance of of fame, and mm-hmm. it destroys them. Um, right. But if you want to make a career out of this, if you're not doing this for notoriety or for fame, it is it is a marathon.
0: Mm-hmm. And the
3: one thing that works worked will always work.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Are two things. You got to be a good person. You got to right. be a good person on set, off set, to everybody all the time at at the grocery store like you got to be right. a, you got to be a good person.
1: Mhm. You know. It's um, a small town.
3: It's a small town and not only that, but like people can smell when you aren't. They can tell
1: yes. Oh my god,
0: yes.
3: You can feel it on someone, right? When they're out yeah. for what's theirs and and it's all about them, like you can sense that in a human soul. And so when someone mm-hmm. right. like that walks in the room, and you get that energy, it doesn't matter how fake nice they come across, you're gonna sense there's something there. So you gotta be right? And you have to be authentic. And and the other thing I would say is, you know, I. I've known a lot of talented actors and I've been fortunate to work with a lot of talented actors. And um, some people have that natural God-given gift, but there's nothing wrong with taking your natural God-given talent and working it in class.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Developing study, it study. Further. You know, I mean, there is something to the 10,000 hours of it all. And you can get rusty if you think like if you're resting on your laurels and you think, Oh, my resume is enough or my, looks are enough for my, my, who, who, who I know in the business is enough. All, none, mm-hmm. of none of it's enough. You're only as good as your last performance and you have to put the work in because we're dealing, no matter what media you're watching things, you're watching things on your phone or HBO, it doesn't matter. We are dealing with a very smart audience. Yes. Mm-hmm. and They know bullshit. They know bullshit right. when they see it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, true. And you know, it's interesting. It, it It's almost like, um, the business changes and you have to be willing to roll with the changes, you know, and, um, a lot of like how, how we went from, you know, uh, always auditioning in the room to now mostly self tapes, barring even right. like right now with the pandemic, just how in the last few years it was going that direction anyway, or better yet, just actors like yourself and those of us who've had jobs and quotes and, you know, c- contracts, we have to just being asked to audition. I, I I'm amazed at the number of actors Ralph and I know that are still kind of like, um, insulted that they have to audition. I mean, I guess.
3: And that's outrageous. You have to get over it. I, my, my fiance um, is a producer and he does mm -hmm. a lot of great quality shows and films. And, and I am shocked at the people that come in to audition, the names that come in and are not afraid to audition. We're talking about people with, huge resumes who, you Mm -hmm. know, you know in a heartbeat. It's like, why do not you just make them an offer? No, there's something about the audition. Not only do they want to make sure, it's not about necessarily testing your talent, although, yes, that's the obvious purpose of an audition, but it's it's to see your essence as a person.
1: Right. Do I want
3: to work with this person? Do I want to learn set?
1: Do so I want to you spend know, 12 I'm, hours a day with this person? Jade, right. you are
2: so well-spoken and fierce. I'm
1: really enjoying
0: Thanks, you. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. I'm enjoying you guys.
1: Uh, well, well you. here's the thing, you know, because Jade is also a producer on, on The Bay. And so, I mean, this is what makes you a great producer is coming from this compassionate, but at the same time, understanding, uh, this is Christos and I were talking with Ralph last week about, I said to him, the moment I got to go on the other side and be a producer on something, it changed me as an actor forever. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, right. Cause you totally, suddenly you're like, Oh my God, six people were brilliant today. Like they were mm-hmm. all so good. You know, I, there only one of them, you know, cause a lot of times as actors we leave an audition and we beat ourselves up and we think, God, I know I know that, but
0: yeah. I didn't mm-hmm. get the
1: part. And you can't, but when it's so not personal when you see it from the other side, do you find that uh, as a producer also?
3: Well, the role as a producer that I played on the Bay, it was for two seasons on the Bay and uh, in full transparency, it was primarily um, writing. So back in those days, Gregory at the time, he had been the only writer on the show. And then we had gotten close. We developed a close friendship and I pitched him an outline Mm. And he responded to it and invited me to write alongside him for those two seasons. Um, so that's wow. primarily where that credit came from. Though, you know, being a part of a of a production that isn't backed by studio and network funding. Right. You know, you, you're when you're not shooting a scene, you are filling up the coffee machine and taking out right, the trash. Right, and you're, right. You're, you're it's doing a, it's whatever re- needs to be done, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: It's like a repertory um, I, company. That's what I love about Gregory. Yeah. He's kind of put this, you guys, and Christos was saying this too about, and I told Christos to be as young as he is and to have found this, this safe kind of environment, you know, a feeling like people have your back and, um, but then having, what's right. great about having you uh, it's talking about how, to, knowing how to treat actors, knowing how to welcome them on the set, you know, because you're paying it forward. We've all been in those situations where, there wasn't that great person, you know what I mean? The, I don't know about right. you, but I, I you in remember. my yeah, because I would say honestly, people always want to ask me, "Oh, who's been like a bitch or who's difficult?" But honestly, in my experience, I m- many more people have been kind and generous than have not been. So yeah, um, and
3: see, and that's the that's the that's the oh, that's the shittiest part of art. I can cuss here, right?
1: <laughs> yes. <yeah>, oh god. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Shit. Hell yeah. Great. Okay. Cool. Okay.
3: Great. <laughs> That's the shittiest part about our business inside and outside is people only want to hear the bad gossip. Yep. No one wants to yep. hear how great someone is. No one wants Mm-mm. to hear how nice someone was. You know, then it, it almost feels like the nicer you are and the harder you work, the more invisible you are because the oh my God.
2: Oh, yeah. Jade. See, isn't that just horribly pathetic in our society? Oh, you are so, you just are like, that is so poignant. That's exactly it. Like the thing that Jasper and I have talked about, I'm still, I haven't had a horrible time on any set. Everything has always, and I'm not trying to be Pollyanna, but it's like everything has been totally great. I've had a lovely time. And I think it's to your point about how you just live your life as a person, because it is hard perhaps at Trader Joe's one day, if you're having a bad day and somebody bangs in your cart and cracks your egg and you go (laughs) off on them, you know, And (laughs) and that's unfortunate. But what, and I know what you're saying, we're trying to avoid those incidents and as high profile people, it's, there's more of a responsibility and there just is if you care about the way you are. I mean, it's not like you're trying to kiss ass, but it's, it's nice to always just be human and nice in every situation. So that will always be your through line. And that's what people will remember you for.
3: Yeah. And, and, and it's not even about, I like, I feel you when you said kissing ass, like, I, cause I felt before at times, like, like I was almost, being too nice and it was seen as a weakness
2: right instead
3: of a strength and so you know I have definitely dialed uh, dialed it back so as not to be misunderstood in that capacity Mm -hmm. but also you know I do have to say like the higher profile you are sometimes sometimes not often but sometimes people want to try to get a rise out
1: of you A got a got a gotcha moment yep Mm -hmm. a
3: gotcha moment they want to say something to undercut you in front of someone or embarrass you or just slight hand you for whatever reason maybe they're having a bad day maybe that's just who they are you know Mm -hmm. know. Um, right and I still have a challenge with um, not being reactionary because I am the kind of person that I do stand up for myself, but you can tell when someone is trying to
0: provoke make you, you
3: reactionary, provoke yeah. you, and I, I continue to be mindful of, and I, I remind friends of mine, you know, you've know, you got to be mindful, they want you to have a reaction, they want you, whatever it is, and, and the best thing you can do for yourself and to ruin their day is to give them no reaction. You want to give them a right. finger in the air, give them no reaction. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> well, and of course everybody's got their phones and ready to record everything. You know, they want that that moment they can post and for it to go viral. And um, And I don't
3: know about you guys, but thank God I got through my teenage years and twenties oh, without this. <laughs> oh
1: my God. I <laughs> would have been Well, I would have been a ar- I would have been arrested. I mean it's like I mean, God I mean, I don't yeah. even know how, especially young actresses and actors starting out now in the business, you know, th- I mean, it's one thing to have, to be young and starting and be critical of yourself already, but then you've got millions of people bombarding you with, you know, hate and <laughs> telling you everything that's wrong with you. So that's right. a whole and other. Yourself,
3: and you look at yourself, you know, you look at who you were in your teens and twenties and, and I don't know about you guys, but I look back at myself and I'm like, what an idiot. You're
0: oh right. my god. You're, Just a complete you're an idiot.
3: idiot. And you thought you were right about everything. Right. You know, we had all these opinions. We didn't have social, me- we didn't have social no. media no. to put that in amber so that right. it lived forever. You know, we it... were able to outgrow ourselves and evolve.
2: Well, right. you know, Jade, I want to give us a little bit of a credit, all three of us. We were not idiots. We were We were the president of our life back then, and we thought what we were doing was right. We weren't hurting anybody like people do Mm -hmm. these days. So we weren't complete idiots. I know what you're saying. When we look back, it's like, oh, my God. But Mm -hmm. at the time, we were living our full life, just like we're doing now what we're doing now is we just have all that experience behind us to know like, okay, that's,
0: that's
2: not the greatest choice right now. Just like you said <laughs> something great just now, you've learned to dial back a little something and that's a big seat to overcome because when you're organic and authentic like yourself and then people still are like, what's your game? And it's like, fuck, there is no game. I'm just like this. And it's like, fuck, I have to scale down my authentic authenticity to not come across as like, you know, it's a hard mm-hmm. game to finagle, and it's something we all have to do. You're a beautiful white brunette woman. I'm a vibrant <laughs> black man. Jasper is this devastatingly <laughs> handsome. You oh, know, Ra- you know Ralph, con-
1: seriously. <laughs> no, I want to come
2: back next week. That's why I said that. Okay, but,
1: you already remember? remember we, we we gave you the permanent position last week. You're oh, you're okay, higher so- now. Oh, yeah, because, okay, so- Jade, because
0: Ralph was, Ralph was
1: auditioning for, like, the first 10 years. And so, last week, we officially gave him – he was reoccurring, and we made him a series regular now. <laughs> so, but,
2: you know, but, but yes. listen, to that point, though, Jade, you are fierce, though, because I've been like this on my sets, too, to be gracious to the newcomers coming on. That is so lovely. And we'll go – those people that you did that to – when we're interviewing them, they will mention that moment that Jade Harlow did that for them because that is something that you treasure. We all want to be, be made to be stroked and felt good. We just do, Jade. That's just the human nature. And to do and that, if, and go on.
3: I'm sorry to interrupt. Um, no. I was just going to say, and, and, you know, there is a selfish side to being nice. To everyone Mm -hmm. in life and and in particular on set, on both sides of the camera, because here's the deal. You, the better everyone does at their job, Mm
0: -hmm. the better your
3: production is, the better that film is, the better that show is, because everybody is poised in a position to do their best work and be their best self. The second that you come at it in an insupportive way, you are sabotaging your own project
1: exactly but you know it's amazing how many I don't know if it's the arts in general but we this business attracts you know a lot of people that are working on issues obviously I always say we're a lot of actors are just trying to make up for high school you know but there's there's such – <laughs> such, in, and I'm putting myself, you know, in there so, too, but there's such – No,
0: you're so right. You
1: know, we're like – there's such insecurities. It's so funny. It's like sometimes actors are like such massive contradictions. On one hand, we're like so insecure and then hyper-confident confident at the same time. So it's like totally. one or the other. Um, I always say it's like who can mask their craziness the best? Yeah. You know, and who, who can get us that – at 12 hours, at the end of the day, we can all go home on time and just keep everything moving, basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. But um, I, before I forget, I want everyone to be able to follow you as well on social media. So everything is pretty much at Jade Harlow, right?
3: Um, well, Sort of. The internet, their interweb makes it difficult. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> people, people, yeah. people jumped on my name before I had a chance to claim it. Oh, okay. So on okay. Instagram yeah on instagram i'm at jade Harlow twelve and Got it. uh on twitter i'm at jade underscore Harlow.
1: perfect okay great I want everyone to be able to follow you and uh you know keep up with you and so it's interesting
0: you. do you
1: find also with your boyfriend being a producer i'm sure you're mm-hmm. you're you're learning stuff as well from his point of view when he comes home and or talks about casting or putting a film together or project
3: oh my god oh absolutely absolutely i mean i see what it's given me a great perspective um because you know every project is absolutely different um i will say to gregory's credit with the bay um you know the script script is out we do it we have the uh luxury of doing a full cast table read of what we're going to go in to shoot. So we actually table read a whole season. Oh, um, wow. Sitting down together. Yeah, we do that. Um, That's great. And and yeah, and then we have an opportunity in that moment as well as on set. um, You know, we're all open to like working our lines with each other. And if something doesn't sit right in the body and we have a, a thought or an idea about it, we can go to Gregory and say, what do you think about this? No, mm-hmm. uh, no, we're not taking big ownership strides. Like none of us are stepping out of place. Like, cause we're all professionals and we've all been doing this for a long time. And so we know better than to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. But he wants the show to be the best that it can be. And so he's always opening open to hearing uh, other people's thoughts and ideas on a particular line or a particular moment or, or whatever. And so to his credit um, he allows and, and I think it's because we are an independent <clears throat> show we are not
0: mm-hmm. and
3: everything doesn't have to go through the seven levels of approval through network right. and, and so on mm-hmm. but with network and studio I see how the writers work I see how showrunners mm-hmm. work I see how the writers yeah. room works and you know there's a writer in that room who finally got his shot at a script and you know that's his script and that's his baby and it's been rewritten seven times and it's been mm-hmm. given notes on seven times and that final product is what's finally gonna make it to air on television and so when the actor comes in to audition, you don't change those words. No, <laughs> no,
1: no, no,
2: oh no. God, don't even start with us about that, Jade. Yeah. You know
1: Well, but you know, it's interesting too, because like for me, I've been in this situation where there's certain shows I have literally auditioned for, I mean, and and I'm thankful that they keep bringing me back. But my point is there are certain shows that you can go in for over and over again and still not book a a part on an episodic. And the old part of me, the younger actor in me would be like, God damn, what is wrong? But yet the, the, the older Jasper knows that if they don't like my work, they're not going to keep bringing me back in, you know, to producers. So I I don't know if you find with your partner that uh, does he ever talk about what, you know, who makes that final decision on a, on an episodic? Is it the show? Is it the lead showrunner? Is it the director, a combination or
3: every show is different? I know. Every show is different, but there is a uh, formula. So typically when you talk about like your top five series regulars, more often than not, those are straight to offers that are network approved
0: right. sure. before
3: those offers go out, um, and then those offers go out, and some are taken and some are not, and they go down the list, the people they want to make offers to, and then they get to the point of like we're going to have auditions at the same time because you know what we're we're tired of dealing with the the, the offer game. Like what mm-hmm. we need a backup. There might be better out there than what mm-hmm. than only as far as our minds are thinking. So some actors feel like. Um, Oh God! I
2: hope where we're going. There's to your Ralph. Oh, oh, right. we're, okay. uh, oh, we're in oh. Windsor Hills, honey. I, I, who knows what could be happening? <laughs> <laughs> the they're coming. To,
1: they're coming to get Ralph. Yeah. Oh, darling, we're um, the
2: epicenter oh. of everything.
3: <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're um, right.
1: You're, you're right. A lot of times we so, know we're kind so it of the down. backup.
3: Yeah, it trickles down from there. And then, you know, the showrunner obviously will get a say-so on, on reoccurring and guest stars. And then the directing producer, which is what they have on most shows, which is sort of like a director who is also a producer who is sort of in charge of all the other directors that come in to direct episodes so that their eye keeps the story feeling smooth so that it's not mm-hmm. so different from director to director. Um, the directing producer will have say on some of the the smaller roles, you know. Right, And, and the, right. the showrunner doesn't need to see the co-star audition. Like, that'll just go through the directing producer. Um, right. But it's, it's and, fascinating. They, they watch tapes. They watch these tapes. Oh. I, I sit next to him and I, I see him watch these self-tapes and he'll sit down and he'll watch 10, 12 self-tapes when it comes to, like, filling a series regular roles you know um, well even even
1: the, the the even the one liners now they have to we have to i mean they yeah. somebody has to watch yeah
0: but
1: they do, well, they do watch these tapes including well, Jade i i i love self tape by the way i know a lot of actors don't i know i can't believe we only have 2 minutes left oh my god we could talk to jade for jade for you uh, are super fierce hours. what were you going to say to thanks Jasmine?
3: guys i'm happy oh, to come yeah. back oh Thank absolutely you for
1: Thank you. I mean, I could talk forever about the – like she's saying about the, the producer side. Um, I think a lot of actors are happy to hear that people – they actually are watching their tapes, you know, because sometimes uh, absolutely. we do the, I mean, we do these tapes, and you think, well, did do they, do they even make it to the producer, you know? So, well, you know, um, and
2: you've had a lot of feedback from casting directors, Jasper, that, yes, they are getting watched. Jade, I would want to ask you very quickly, how would Leanna – Deal with quarantine.
3: Mm. <laughs> 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 oh my God! Um How would Leanna deal with quarantine? Well, you know, I think I think the first couple of weeks she would cocktails. Uh, she would cocktail, yeah. She'd be having that quarantine.
2: Quarantine, I love it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> She'd be yeah, drinking. Le- She'd be Leanna's like, gonna
1: party for sure. Yeah. For okay. Sure, well.
3: Dude she'd be on the floor and then I think she'd pick herself up after waking up in her own vomit and the same clothes for three days and she'd (laughs) finally shower and she'd very responsibly put on a mask because she's more concerned about hurting other people than she is hurting herself so she would definitely wear a mask to check her mail and she would be resentful at the grocery store when she sees there's no toilet paper because fuck everybody (laughs) Thank you. Okay, we Jade, have Tim going to Love note. you
1: guys. Thank you so much, Bye. everybody. Bye, Jade. Bye thank now. you again. Bye-bye. Thank you, Jade Harlow. Thanks for Bye. checking out One-on-One with Jasper Cole. Check out past episodes and get the latest as they're released. Subscribe today on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube.